This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you are doing well. Hey, listen, I just returned from a great time at the NEO Summit, which stands for the Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit. It was such a fun time to be with other leaders and nonprofit fundraisers, development leaders, companies that provide great data points for us nonprofit leaders so we can do better at fundraising. In fact, while I was there, it was number one, it was just great to see old friends. It was also great to meet new ones. And while I was there, I was able to interview several of the keynote speakers live at the summit. And that episode will be published soon, so keep an eye out for it. But I walked away from that summit. I was thinking about one of the things I really appreciated what they did at the summit is provide good data. So when it comes to what should our marketing budget be? How should we approach social media? What are the trends in giving so we can maximize our fundraising? Those and other things were really covered and I really liked it. And particularly when it came to data points that we could actually take back to my nonprofit to talk to our donors, talk to our board about here's some actual data of what people are seeing that study these really important trends. So for today, that's what we're gonna do is we're gonna ask this question. What is the state of giving in America? What are the most surprising trends that we're facing as a nonprofit sector when it comes to giving specifically? Should we be concerned, number one, or or is there reason to be optimistic? What are the fundraising trends with Gen Zers compared to other generations? And what should nonprofits be doing to adjust their fundraising strategy, if anything? Well, this and more is covered by my guest today, Michelle Boggs. Michelle is an executive nonprofit industry advisor of Classy, which is now a subsidiary of GoFundMe. Now, Michelle will talk all about Classy's 2022 report on why America gives. You don't want to miss hearing what Michelle has to say that can actually change the way you do your fundraising. Enjoy today's show. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? Doing really well and really excited having this show. As I was telling you before the show started, I love when Classy and other companies like yourself provide this great data for nonprofit leaders when it comes to fundraising, giving trends and things like that. And so that's what I really want to dive in today is really talking about the state of giving in America because Classy put together a study on why America gives. And a lot of what we're going to talk about, of course, is 2022, but I know you've got a fun announcement about the 2023 study as well, which we're going to get to. But among other things, to get just this started for my listeners, the study found that the largest percent of Gen Z and millennials are prioritizing racial justice and equity, followed by reproductive rights. Now, let's just dive into that. Why do you think that is from the data that you've seen so far from that 2022 study? Yeah, thanks so much for the question. And I, you know, could not agree more. It's exciting to work at an organization like Classy that is prioritizing the data. And what's even cooler is now that we're joined with GoFundMe, we have access to the most unique data set in the world. If you think about all the people fundraising on GoFundMe, 
and the 7,000 customers on Classy. So we are all about equipping nonprofits with the data because like we talked about earlier, now more than ever, they have to make data-driven decisions with limited resources, donations down, et cetera. So specifically your question about younger folks, Gen Zs, millennials, prioritizing racial justice, prioritizing reproductive rights. What we've learned is that in general, these donors more than any other group are really ready to make a difference in the communities around them. They seek out those relationships bigger than themselves. So they're looking for causes to get involved with right where they live, work, play, pray. And then when it comes to those topics specifically, there are a few reasons through this report that I think will explain that. The first is, maybe not obvious, but Gen Z is the largest generation in U.S. history. He's the people born between 1997 and 2012. Additionally, Gen Z is our most diverse generation and will be majority non-white by 2026. So that, of course, influences so much of their giving behavior. And then timely giving is really important to these younger donors. And we see that show up in the data. These generations take it upon themselves to fund causes that matter to them and drive social change with their dollars. Unsurprisingly, last year's Why America Gives report that you alluded to revealed that the most common causes or most important causes to these younger generations do tend to be centered around racial justice and equity. The last point I'll make is we've learned through our research that about 80% of Gen Z donors find out about causes on social media. That shouldn't be too shocking, but I think it's good to remember like where they're going to go for that true source of information. And about 65% of Gen Z donors gave to new causes in response to a timely appeal. So these younger donors are really driven by episodic, urgent type giving. And so if you think about you know, the terrible death of George Floyd. If you think about Roe Roe v. Wade, it's no shock that these things really bubbled to the surface. But I think it's much more than just those specific events. It's like what I talked about, some of that cultural behavior tied into their age, the fact that they're the biggest giving group. Those are some of the things we we uncovered. Well, that's a great point and a great segue into this next question I was going to ask you is exactly about those situations. So the kind of the broader question is keeping one's nonprofit top of mind for their supporters and donors is such a constant challenge, right, for nonprofit leaders. And one of the reasons, as you mentioned, particularly with these younger donors, is because we're having to compete with this 24-hour news cycle and it's on your phone all the time. You got social media constantly interrupting you with notifications and updates. So a major earthquake, a massive fire, devastating flood, all these things that pop up, there is a a huge increase in this response giving, right? And it's immediate, it's reactionary in a sense. And people, and I'm glad that people want to give, like it, it motivates people to like, hey, let's help out. So I love that aspect of it. But what's challenging then for local nonprofits is then how do you compete with that when say your situation and whatever your program in doesn't feel quite as urgent as an earthquake or a massive flood or whatever else that has happened. How do nonprofit leaders keep these, their programs front of mind with their donors when they're competing with such a uh, big challenge of this 24-hour news cycle? Yeah, it is really tough. You know, there's so before we even get into that specific challenge, I broadly just the fact of it's such a competitive space. I think the last thing I read was like we're approaching two million organization, two million nonprofit organizations in the US alone. So two it is a million. Market. Wow. That's a lot. It's like 1.8 and change. It is a crowded market. You know, there's so much noise, there's limited resources. I was reading something that the average attention 
attention span basically mirrors a TikTok video of like eight seconds before you need it. You're picking up your phone every 10 minutes on average. I mean, this is, you know, insanity trying to break through the noise. So it's competitive. And then not only in times of crisis, but even generally, nonprofits are competing with the generosity and there's so much giving noise. I mean, think about just for profits in this space. That's really become a thing too. It's like buying a brand that gives back, being asked at the register to give, crowdfunding around something going on. So there's a lot of other things and a lot of a lot of other causes outside of even just the traditional nonprofits that we're competing with that are really making it more challenging. But specifically around during these episodic events, keeping your nonprofit and your mission relevant, the one, the organizations that we work with that are competing well are definitely doing a few things to set themselves apart. So first, we've already talked about this a little bit, is really choosing relevant and meaningful data in their decision-making, especially when it comes to donor segmentation and donor messaging. So knowing like your current supporters are going to be your best bet to continue supporting you. Are you segmenting specific messaging to them? Also segmented out by age because they're going to have different expectations of interacting with you. So using data to really deliver a powerful message to the right donor at the right time is really important. Also using data to articulate their impact, that it's relevant to their theory of change and that it truly resonates with their supporter base. And I'd like to take that a step further. I think the organizations excelling aren't just telling about their impact and their mission, they're showing. That's really the key. I mean, we are living in... I've been reading about this so much lately. We are living in like this experience economy where like we expect everything to be an experience and like nonprofits are no different. So gone are the days of just like cutting a check or donating online. I want to experience what you're doing and I want to experience on a pretty consistent basis. And guess what? In different ways. So I think that's really important. And then again, separating the ones that are, you know, surviving versus the ones that are maybe struggling. The the ones doing a really good job have a really strong recurring donor base. They know how important that that base is to their consistent revenue. They have a solid donor acquisition strategy. I mean, I know that's easier said than done, but they're focusing time, energy, and effort into donor acquisition. And then, of course, they've got a full, robust retention stewardship plan. They're thanking their folks. They're showing that impact, not just telling, like I said. Another thing to think about is like nonprofits doing a better job of garnering this attention have done a lot of work in the branding space and they're very, very clear on who they are, what they do, and why they exist in the world. And what's been interesting is we're actually seeing a lot of the bigger behemoth nonprofits, the more legacy brands, I won't name anybody specifically, but they're definitely struggling with like staying relevant and resonating with younger audiences. So like think of maybe some of the charities that our parents would have aligned with and that would have been really important to them. If you were to ask my kids about them, they would have no idea who they were or what they did. So that's like another piece is the branding and staying relevant. And then I think when these newsworthy events happen, you have two things can happen. You have a, you have a choice. You can either rise to the forefront of the conversation or it can leave you scrambling. And I think we talk a lot about um, with our organizations, like it's not if it it's not if, it's when this next thing is going to happen. So how can you be more proactive to prepare for these types of things in your community to figure out how these events might align with the work that you're doing? And as a couple examples, when the baby formula shortage was happening, 
we had a couple organizations that worked in like the healthy mothers, healthy baby space. And look, it didn't directly impact them, but they were super smart to use that event in the news, that 24 hour news cycle and elevate their brand and talk about why it's so important for these moms and babies to have access to not only formula, but all these other things. And this is the great work that we're doing in the space. Yeah, well said. Great couple of great examples there of what you can do proactively. I like that focus on being proactive uh, for my listeners. That's excellent. Well, another issue that's becoming more and more common, I feel like, every year is this subscription-based giving or recurring monthly giving. But just to make sure we're all on the same page, for my listeners, remind us exactly what the subscription-based giving is when it comes to nonprofits and why is it an issue? Yeah. So I think, again, when I alluded to like, we as a sector have to keep up with all the other things happening that people are used to, like think about, I don't know about you, but I have so many things that I am a subscriber of, half of which I don't even know if I want to be anymore, but I'm too looking to figure out how to cancel it. My kids are signing up for stuff. So it's like very much a consumer model that we've all become used to. And for our sector, it really, to me, is just another way of saying being a recurring donor. So it really just means setting up a recurring giving program that is going to allow you to have an incomparable source of predictable and sustainable revenue. It allows your donors a way to give smaller increments on a more consistent basis. And to allude to some of the data points, in Classy's most recent State of Modern Philanthropy report, we found that recurring donors are nine times more valuable than a one-time donor to your organization. And of those recurring donors, one-third became recurring within 90 days of their first one-time gift. So you're like capturing that passion and that moment of generosity and turning it into like, will you become recurring? Another really exciting thing as we're about to approach Giving Tuesday of 2023 is based on our data, recurring donations last year boomed 15% increase on just Giving Tuesday alone. So if you're not asking during that transaction, you absolutely should be. But I will say, caveat to that is it has to be easy, modern, frictionless, right? So like same thing as like ordering a Starbucks. And especially when it comes to younger donors, if you try to get them to be recurring, but pages are popping up throughout the transaction process and the pages are lagging and you're asking me for tons of information, I have to fill out my address and I have to go track down a credit card you're not going to get that donation. Those conversions are going to plummet. So it has to be as simple as double-clicking on your phone through Apple Pay. I mean, that's the way that people are used to giving, especially younger people. We know this new subscription model for giving, like I said, is especially important among young people and Gen Zs. 50% of Gen Z donors, I think this is really cool, are likely to repeat a donation for a cause they feel passionate about. 40% of Gen Z donors have given to the same cause at least three times in the past few years. And 41% of all millennial donors in the United States give via recurring donations, which is the most of any age group. And the majority, I think it's hovering around 75% of every donation given last year by a Gen Z person was given online. So we see a lot when we go to organizations' web pages and we look at the donation experience and we audit it for them, Like we will see some of these things that are definitely going to hold you back from setting up a successful recurring giving program. Something as simple as your ask amounts, if they start at $20, look at your data, that might be too high. 
you might need to lower it to $5, which you're, you might be thinking like, oh, that's such a, you know, that's too low of an, of an inroad to our organization. But if someone's willing to give five every month or maybe bi-monthly. So there's just a lot to really dig into there. But again, really for the listeners to think about how many things they're currently subscribing to. And it's very comfortable, like, eh, it's 10 bucks. It's not making or breaking my monthly financials. I'm happy to do it. But where the magic happens is like making those recurring donors feel just as important and special as like a big major gift donor because that is such an important revenue stream. So I think there's so much opportunity in recurring. Um, and it's exciting to be able to work with organizations to unlock that revenue. Oh, I like that. I think that's a really interesting topic that we're bringing up. And then I liked how you shared some more stats. I want to just go through for my listeners a few more stats that came out of the 2022 giving report that Classy did. Uh, and then we'll just dive into a couple of them. Um, number one, you mentioned or what came out of that report was 90% of donors are willing to match giving year after year. So in other words, people that really like that match opportunity, they're more often you know willing to do it again. Uh, also, you found that loyal donors, their impact on a nonprofit is four times higher than just passive donors. So again, those loyal donors, you're investing in those donors that you're trying to retain. You had a four times impact for that kind of a donor. 59% of passive donors are searching for the nonprofits that match their values. So another thing that, again, for my listeners, what are your values? What kind of values are you portraying? That's what people are looking for often, even the passive donors. One of the things I thought was really interesting, maybe we could just jump into this and you could feel free to respond to any of those uh, data points, but you had pointed out that last year, Gen Z is willing to give to charitable organizations despite economic hardships. Now, I think that says a lot about this generation. So what have you found when it comes to that, either that stat or any of the other stats that I mentioned that you think is important for my listeners to know? Yeah, I think, you know, what sticks out to me and what I try to talk a lot about when I do these types of things is like, if you're in this sector right now, I think it's easy to feel kind of doom and gloom because, you know, unless you're living under a rock, every report that's coming out is like, Donor count is down. Dollars are down. Trust is down. I mean, I I don't know. I, I see something so promising and exciting in this data. And I just think as a sector, we have been sort of playing to that old traditional philanthropist and we've really failed to evolve. But we have this captive audience in front of us. I mean, if you look at like voter turnout and all these things that are happening that are showing us these younger generations are more activated and engaged than ever. We're just missing the mark on how we're connecting with them. So when I read those data points, I get excited about like, if we can figure it out, there's so much generosity to unlock. And what I'm really proud of and what I think is powerful is like a young person is willing to make concessions to their financial budget to be able to continue to give that $10 or that $15. And I think if you as a nonprofit can connect with them when they're young, you're starting to build that bench. And you know, you're going to be their charity of choice, or they're going to have such a strong affinity for you by the time they can make those big gifts that I think so many organizations have relied way too much on. And that's a big reason why donor count has dropped for a long, long time. But what has still been increasing until this year was overall dollars. And that's because it's being offset by large donations even those are going down. So now everybody's scrambling and they're like, oh my gosh, we've relied so heavily on major gifts. We've relied so heavily on events. We've relied so heavily on bequests. And unless you're thinking about a strategy for these younger donors, I mean, this next generation, you're really going to be left behind. And so I read all those stats and I get excited because I think there is so much generosity out there. We're just 
we're not, we're not, uh, we're not meeting them where they are. And we're certainly, I think, not meeting a lot of their needs and expectations. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is www.DonorBox.org. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. And when you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Well, first of all, I love your positivity, and I think that's right. I think too much that we hear is doom and gloom, you know, with the nonprofit sector. And yeah, we need to be realistic and we don't want to be Pollyannish about, you know, the giving trends, but I'm with you on that. You know, we were just chatting again before the show. I was at this Neo summit and I just felt like the the kind of the spirit there and, the, and the, a lot of the trends and a lot of the research they're doing is showing that there is a lot of enthusiasm still to give to nonprofits, despite all these trends that we're seeing about, you know, giving going down. So I'm with you on that. I think that's a really good thing to keep leaning into and not to get discouraged. Now, one other thing that's come up in the process of fundraising and new donor, younger donors, I should say, looking into giving to nonprofits, there's been quite a bit of debate about this question of giving to nonprofits that pay their staff maybe more competitively now, staff or nonprofits that are giving more to marketing. I know in the past that's been something like, no, I don't want to give to a nonprofit that pays their staff really well or puts way too much into marketing. Their percentage of marketing budget is too high. I feel like that's changing and that's shifting. Is you, Are you finding anything in your research when it comes to that issue of how donors are looking into how those nonprofits are spending their money? Yeah, what our data has has told us, which probably isn't super surprising, is that your baby boomer generations are definitely those that when they go to research your organization, so maybe they're introduced to you via Facebook from their friend and they're like, well, okay, maybe I'll support this. And they go and they do their research. When they go to your website, they are going to be looking for clear financial information where they can look up 990s, They can look up all your financial reports. They can see all that stuff and that's important to them. And that's great. But again, younger donors, when they go to your website to research your organization, they're going to be looking for those experiences, those ways to really get involved for your organization to become part of their brand, for them to volunteer with you. So not so much of a focus on overhead, sense to the dollar being spent, things like that. Again, I think it's an older mental model. I think we're shifting away from it. I think even in just the 
last five years, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. I have seen some, you know, the reins really loosen with a lot of this stuff. I was reading articles recently that like even funders are getting a little bit more flexible and like how you report back on a grant and things like that. I think obviously the Mackenzie Scott gifts have sort of, you know, shaken up the whole industry more around trust-based philanthropy. But I think from our data, looking at it purely by age, I think that as younger donors get involved, they're not as that information isn't as important to them when they make their decisions on who they support. That's so interesting. And, and you're right to, to point out Mackenzie Scott. I think that really was, that shook up the, in a good way, I think overall the nonprofit sector in terms of how she ended up giving. Okay. Then you've mentioned a little bit, you've got another report that's coming out here soon, the 2023 giving report. Maybe you can give us a, a sneak peek on a couple of key things in this uh, regard. What are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities for nonprofits as we look forward to this next year when it comes to fundraising? Yeah. So transparently, I haven't seen any of the findings from the report. I was a part of the team that really built the questions around it. And so I'm really excited to see it. But I, obviously, I think it's going to tap into to some of the challenges that we are seeing. We already talked a little bit about it, but one of the big biggest being the decline in charitable giving, as I alluded to. Societal and economic shifts are definitely contributing to year-over-year declines in not only the number of donors, like I said, but the amounts. But, you know, I tend to think there is more to that story because some of those bigger reports like the Giving USA's, the Fundraising Effectiveness Report, they can't always capture, again, some of the ways younger people are giving through crowdfunding, through peer-to-peer, through volunteering their time, in-kind, all these displays of generosity. So, you know, not to, like you said, I don't want to be a Pollyanna. I definitely think it's trends that we need to be concerned about and we definitely need to think about our business differently. But I do think there are still a lot of generosity out there happening. And maybe I'm just super positive. But I heard wonderful things about my friend Mallory Erickson's presentation. I don't know if you heard, but she talked a lot about like, one of the biggest things is like, if you yourself don't believe that your organization deserves those dollars or that they exist in the world, like that's number one. Exactly. You know, I'm hopeful that the Why America Gives 2023 report will show some of those strong data points around like, okay, this is where you can give of your resources and time and talent to see the results. Like, again, it's out there. It's just shaping how you go out and get it. But I I think another thing that we should certainly talk about, and we've touched on a little bit, is this idea of like cutting through the noise and this ever-evolving digital landscape. I mean, the amount of technology that's been introduced to our our sector in the last five years compared to like the last 25 years is overwhelming. And our donors are living on so many different channels. It requires a multi-channel approach to connect with donors where they're spending most of their time on different platforms. Donors are looking for authentic and memorable digital experiences. And, you know, whether it's engaging on social media with high growth platforms like TikTok, whether it's pop-ups, whether it's embedded forms on your donation page, they're looking for these meaningful experiences with you. Our most recent State of Modern Philanthropy report, which is another report that Classy puts out more around donor sentiment and trends happening in the industry, even though we know Facebook and Instagram remain the leading platforms for driving donor traffic, you also do have to be looking at TikTok as a rising platform for engagement, especially among Gen Zs. LinkedIn is becoming more and more popular, more around like the millennial age group. I don't know if you, you've been noticing this, but I have where folks on LinkedIn will like more proudly talk about fundraising on behalf of an event or 
being a committee member, a board member, they, they almost like, like I said earlier, align it with their brand. And they want to be able to do that of like, I'm a proud supporter of X organization. That's part of my brand as a professional person. The other thing too is like, we know Gen Z is giving online, but what's even more um, interesting is that when they do give, 80% are giving because a friend, coworker, or family member is fundraising on behalf of that organization. So someone is asking oh, them interesting, to give right? not the organization. Right. It's a personal so, connection. It's that peer-to-peer. And I think that's why GoFundMe is so incredibly successful because it's people giving to people. And so the more that we can tap into that... I think that's really exciting. So we talked about the digital landscape. We talked about this idea of giving being down. The other like big challenge I do think a lot about, and I alluded to this, is this idea of like how we do steward our donors. And I I do think that's another thing that needs kind of a shakeup or to sort of like sort of have an overhaul. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, so interesting. A couple of things you mentioned on LinkedIn. I have noticed a trend, and I would say just the last maybe year, where I felt like when I first got into LinkedIn, it was very much very business, very professional. You only promoted kind of work related things. You didn't do social posts. You didn't do talk about you know your dog or where you went hiking that next that day. But that's changing. It is definitely much more engaging than I feel like when it first started. So the one thing I'll just maybe we could build off of that from your experience. Do you feel like is there a, a platform or are there are a couple of platforms where people are really kind of living more and spending more time on where nonprofits need to start saying, hey, if you're looking at all your options and you have limited budget, limited time, maybe only one person that could really spend time on your social media, are there maybe one or two top ones that someone should invest into when it comes to their nonprofit organization? Or do you feel like it's a multi-channel approach still where you try to hit as many yeah. as you can? I think that's it's tough, right? Because like depending on your your resources and dollars that you can advocate to this sort of stuff, it's like on one side of it, it's like, oh, go Facebook. We know, you know, we know the ROI is there. But then if it's like it's really important to you to engage with younger donors, I think you have to have a strategy on TikTok. I mean, what has been most shocking to me about TikTok is not just like the connection and all that. It's now becoming such a place to validate information. I mean, I've even found myself doing it. I don't have TikTok, but my kids do, but I've had to look up certain things and I'm like, I'm going to go on TikTok. And like the search, the search results that I get, I find so much more comprehensive than like, no if way. I wow. instances. Not, okay. I'm not talking about anything like super serious. Yeah. Right, right. Sure. Um, Interesting. But again, like that, that's just so there's a, a commercial going on right now that I've been seeing almost every day, mostly when I watch football games, but it's all about, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a TikTok commercial. And it's all about this, this Patriot, this veteran who would go around on his scooter and would just like make people happy. And he's like a 90 year old man. Everybody loved him. He had all these TikTok followers. Long story short, his scooter broke and they uploaded a video of him like really sad because he couldn't go and do what he enjoyed most, which is connecting with people. And then within like minutes, they raised $7,000 to buy him a new scooter. No way. So, you know, I, I want to dig into like how they raised that money. Like what, you know, was it, I don't know how it happened, but so I think TikTok is going to be really interesting. I think link, LinkedIn is going to be really interesting, but I think it's tough, you know, like we talked about, depending on the resources that you have to allocate to these things. And I think sometimes tracking the ROI with social media is also a challenge for nonprofits. I know I experienced that personally where like, we weren't always sure, did that work? Was that worth investment? I would just say the biggest thing is have an open mind because I get sad when I, you know, I, I hosted a dinner at 
AHP, the Association for Healthcare Philanthropy Conference. And I was a little sad to hear some of the leaders just basically shut it down, like not interested at all. And really, huh? Yeah. And like, again, I would just say have an open mind. In one of the conversations, one of the people from the hospital shared that their service animal at the hospital, their patient dog that goes and visits the patients, he has a TikTok page. And it's like, he has like hundreds of thousands of followers and the hospital has really started to use it to like get their content out there. So I would keep an open mind to it because, you know, it's changing every day. So I don't feel like that was a great answer to your question. It's hard. I would say keep an open mind and experiment, you know, see, see, see where you can have the biggest impact. But I think you have to show up in a, through a multi-channel approach if possible, if you, if you're able to do it. No, that's helpful. No, good stuff. Well, this has been so fascinating. And I encourage my listeners to check out a little bit more what class is going to provide in this 2023 report is going to be coming out here soon. For my listeners, how can they connect with you if they have more questions or find out a little bit more about Classy? Yeah, like you said, you know, first and foremost, Classy puts out these awesome data-driven reports. We do the Why America Gives every year. Our 2023 report comes out this November. We also do the State of Modern Philanthropy. Classy.org has amazing tons of free resources. We're doing a bunch of webinars right now on year-end giving and Giving Tuesday. So go to our website. We have a great blog. And then me personally, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Love to connect with people doing great work. I'm always sharing content and trying to start conversations and learning from all the incredible people that are in this sector. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love to to meet you. Sounds good. Well, again, Michelle, thanks for taking time to be on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.